Go see James Bond in Casino Royale now. Welcome to all the Star Trek and sci-fi fans out there. This is Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. This is Rico and this will be show number 87 for Sunday, November 19th, 2006. Going to be covering a Deep Space Nine episode today. Some sci-fi news and movie uh, review of the new Bond movie that I saw and really liked, along with uh, some collectible talk. So stand by. Uh, Here it comes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, again, welcome to the show, everyone, past listeners, uh, first-time listeners, uh, old-time, not saying you're old, but uh, long-time listeners, welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast for another week. Yes, this is uh, another uh, Star Trek sci-fi extravaganza for your listening pleasure. If I sound a little bit tired this morning on this Sunday, uh, it's about 10, uh, almost 10 o'clock in the morning. I decided, uh, well, I kind of woke up this morning at about 5 a.m. and decided, oh, I'll go out and buy a Nintendo Wii. Well, uh, let's just say, so far, no luck. Uh, Supposedly, there were going to be a lot of these around. Uh, My buddy over at Scott Johnson and Infendo Radio, which I I recommend if you're into Nintendo, great podcast, Scott and and Blake, who work on that show, uh, have been saying all along, there's going to be millions of Nintendo Wiis everywhere. Well... You know what? Uh, I haven't found one yet. So, uh, and I do think they're going to have uh, a steady sh- supply of these probably through the holidays. So, I'm not really that concerned. Uh, it's it's more for the kids anyway, for uh, you know, rather than me. But I am kind of anxious to see this new gaming system. So I decided I took a couple of shots at Myers and Walmart this morning. Uh, no luck. Uh, sent my wife Lynn uh, off to Costco. I thought that might be a possibility because that's actually where we ended up getting our 360 at, our Xbox 360, well, months after it came out, but uh, they sometimes have them there, and not everyone goes to those warehouse stores, so she's off uh, heading to Costco right now to do some shopping and possibly pick up a Wii if they're there, but I don't know. It's, uh, you know, the the way they do these system launches, it's kind of annoying, and, and it almost kind of sours you on the whole thing. I mean, you hear about these Stories of people going crazy, lining up for for days on end out in the cold in places to get this new game system when you know that they're going to show up soon everywhere. Uh, and on top of that, they've uh, especially the PlayStation 3, which I'm not really that interested in getting right now at least, the price. And it's just uh, we've got the Xbox, and that does pretty well. But the, these systems are, you know, they, there's people selling these things on eBay for, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, 
you know, whatever times the original cost. And I have no problem with that. It's just kind of sad that so many people are out there snagging these things up and then reselling them at, at ele elevated prices to, you know, not really having any intention of keeping them. But uh, Rico will get off his little diatribe of scalpers and scalping uh, right now. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's maybe a little bit why I sound a little off, maybe this morning a little tired. But other than that, let's uh, let's move on past all this uh, silly uh, launch gaming crazy weekend we've been having with the PS3 and, and the Nintendo Wii and move over into uh, sci-fi news and information. Rico has the best sci-fi and Star Trek information on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Well, the uh, the first bit of news, and this will be uh, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler uh, about the show Heroes. I don't think it's really a big spoiler at all, but if you really don't want to uh, hear anything about this, skip ahead maybe a minute or, or two. I'm not going to talk too long about it, but Kenny on the forums, the treksf.com forums. He uh, posted this yesterday, I believe, and it's on a few other websites now, too. So it's it's out there on the Internet. It's uh, it's a story about heroes and some casting that's going to be coming up in, in some future episodes. Basically, they are, and, and here it comes, so don't listen if you really care. It's not a big thing, I think. Uh, the mm -hmm. character, uh, or the actor, sorry, George Takei, who played, of course, Mr. Sulu on the original Star Trek series, is going to appear in some episodes of Heroes playing the the character hero on the show, uh, he has, um, well, his his father. He's going to play his father. Uh, so George Takei, Mr. Sulu, is going to play hero on the show Hero's Father, uh, which uh, that that's really cool. I mean, he, George Takei is Japanese. Hero on the show is supposed to be Japanese. Uh, it's, it's I think that's a, a nice little bit of sort of almost stunt casting that they're doing. Uh, another, uh, another thing in the genre actors coming on to Heroes that's coming up is Christopher Eccleston. I think that's how you say his name, who was the a Doctor Who for a one short season, did a great job, I thought. He is also going to be showing up on Heroes in the near future. So they're, they're pulling in these uh, genre actors, you know, from other shows to sort of, you know, get some interest and cross things going over. And I think that's great. And uh, I'm really enjoying Heroes. This week's show coming up Monday, tomorrow, actually, in the States looks really good. And I'm really looking forward to that show. So there's your Heroes news. On the on the Star Trek scene, uh, tonight, uh, on November 19th in the evening, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, if you listen to this show in time, uh, the... Um, the website TV for TV Land, TVLand.com, is going to have a uh, live uh, chat with uh, three Star Trek original series actors, George Takei, Nichelle Nichols, and Walter Koenig, who uh, played, of course, Chekhov, Uhura, and Sulu on the original series. They're going to, TV Land's going to start, uh, going to be starting to show Star Trek episodes, and they're going to have a live chat with them. I actually submitted a question to, uh, they, you can submit questions on their website. you got to register ahead of time to to view the chat again it's 9 p.m tonight eastern standard time on on the 19th of november but uh, i submitted a question for nichelle who played uhura and asking her basically about the role of african americans in television and how much it's changed or how it's changed since she first was on star trek back in the 60s and how it is in the you know in the year 2006 just kind of seeing and, and asking her how if she thinks we've made a lot of progress in those areas and giving uh, more roles to African-Americans in television and movies and that kind of thing. I thought that was a good question, and who knows? Maybe they'll uh, they'll use my question that I sent in, but 
wanted to mention that if anyone's interested, that uh, video chat will be on TVLand.com tonight. I guess there was a, a very, sh- uh, fairly short uh, Harry Potter uh, in the Order of the Phoenix movie trailer with the movie that's out now, Happy Feet. Uh, there's a small bit of that online now. They don't have the full teaser trailer online that I, at least that I can find. It's probably out there somewhere. Uh, YouTube or whatever, but I, I did see like 10 seconds of it. Uh, it looks really good. I, I've always enjoyed the Harry Potter books. I, I, I really enjoy the the characters and the story and everything, and the movies have been good too, although the books I think are a little more enjoyable, a little more depth going on there than the movies have been able to do, and The Order of the Phoenix is is when the really, uh, I think, the, the books are getting a lot deeper and uh there's just a lot more going on in them. So I'm looking forward to this movie coming out next summer in July of uh, 2007. So that if you want to see the teaser trailer for Harry Potter, go see Happy Feet, which I hear is a pretty good movie. The uh, On the other trailer scene, I did see, uh, we'll switch gears here just a little bit. I went to see on opening night, Friday night, the new James Bond movie, Casino Royale. And they had a trailer uh, for Spider-Man 3, the same one that they premiered about a week or so ago online and on television. And it looked great on the big screen. Really uh, enjoyed seeing the trailer. But the the big thing for the night, for me at least, was seeing the new James Bond movie, Daniel Craig as James Bond in Casino Royale. And let me just say, I'm not going to give anything away of the movie because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. I'm not going to give really anything away except just my general feelings and impressions. But I've always enjoyed James Bond movies. I've seen, I think I've seen probably all of them. A lot of them I've seen in in the theater pretty much as long, you know, as... When I was old enough to go to the theater, when I was, you know, young teenager and that, I, I, every James Bond movie since then I've seen pretty much at the theater. I don't usually wait to see these on, on, you know, good old videotape when that was around or DVD now. I go to see them because I enjoy them. But, in the, you know, the last few years have been good, but I think they've gotten a little too gadget crazy. But I'm just going to say this new movie, Casino Royale, and Daniel Craig playing James Bond is just great. I, I've got nothing but good things to say about it. Uh, you know, you you can always nitpick a movie apart a little bit, but I don't think you can really do that too much with this movie. I mean, there aren't a lot of gadgets. I'm not giving much away there. I don't think that's been pretty well advertised. This is kind of James Bond kind of back to his roots a little bit, if you want to look at it that way. Kind of like what they did with Batman Begins, uh, you know, more than a year ago when that movie came out. You know, really getting down to basics and what Bond is all about, I I think. And I, I have really heard very few reviews or people or anyone that have, you know, that have seen this movie and didn't really love it and, and like it a lot. Actually, I went with my younger son and a friend on Friday evening to see the movie, and it was a pretty packed house, and people clapped when the movie was over and really seemed to enjoy it. Uh, it's it's really good. I, I can't say enough good things about it. The The guy, Daniel Craig, playing James Bond is just perfect. Uh, he's, he really gets into the role, really worked hard. You can tell in this, for doing this movie and, and it shows. So, so go see if you, if you're at all a James Bond fan or, or like that kind of a movie, some action, uh, a a good, good plot, uh, you know, some nice looking women and, and just, it's just a lot of fun. So go see Casino Royale. I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. Well, I think that'll do it for the, for the news and information I wanted to get across the main things uh, for this week. Oh, uh, there is one last thing. Next weekend, uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, holiday, at least in the United States, it is, on Saturday, which will be 
November, Saturday, November 25th at about 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to do another Skype chat call with, you know, whoever is online and wants to join in. Usually it's people from the forums, but if you even if you're not on the forums, uh, you know, I, the Skype name I use is Trek SF. And just uh, look for me on Skype, uh, like I said, next Saturday, the 25th at 1 p.m. going to do a little, you know, just a chat about the uh, current state of sci-fi TV, movies, uh, all that kind of stuff, like we've done in the past, and record it for a future podcast. So that'll be next Saturday. My name is John Crichton. My name is John Crichton. My name is John Crichton. The Scapecast. What is the Scapecast? I'm Kevin Batchelder. And I'm Lindy Ray. On this episode of the Scapecast... I decided it was, you know, Rigel or Finn. Rigel struggles to gain and then regain the respect of his crewmates. What is my favorite chippy moment? Zan understands the strength she wields both Good spiritually evening. and physically. I'm Wendy Hambrock, and here's Attention. the news. There are opportunities all around. Good evening. Hey there. Welcome to Heckling from it's the Buck Balcony. Rogers. I've seen it I'd all. have to rob a shadow depository to pay that oh, tab. By popular okay. demand. For the Scapecast, this this is emo. Jarek tells us. Yes, I know. Work with me. Talon was so Put different. on your leather pants and reload your pulse pistol. The Skatecast is the only podcast in the world dedicated to Farscape. What is Farscape? Hey, wait, I got a couple of questions. I hate this stuff. On the ground now! I know what he's popping. Cross my heart, smack me dead. Everything lives and everything dies! Tell me dead. I've got to be kidding me. Why are you shaving me? At least you die. Shooting makes me feel better. Look upward, upward, upward. and share the wonders I've seen. The Scapecast, your guide to the wonders of Farscape. You can find the Scapecast at scapecast.org. All right, let's get off into Star Trek um, episode review time, or, or I should say episode commentary, or whatever you want to call it. My usual... Uh, main part of the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast, where I talk about a particular Star Trek episode. And this week, we're doing an episode of Deep Space Nine. The episode that I decided to uh, choose, I, I decided for a few reasons. I, one, it's, you know, I usually, it's obviously, it's an episode that I enjoy. And there's some interesting things going on uh, that are, that are uh, I think, important uh, for Deep Space Nine and some of the characters on the show. So anyway, the episode we're going to look at is from Season 3, and the episode is called Defiant. And as you can, as you well know, if you're a Deep Space Nine fan, this episode is involves the uh, the starship Defiant, which becomes part of sort of Deep Space Nine in the third season. So I'm going to play the the short. It's about a 30 second long or so preview uh, of the episode, and then we'll come back and really get into the meat of it. So here you go with a Defiant. You once knew him as Commander Riker. Hope you've got room for the unexpected. But after stealing Starfleet's most powerful warship... The Defiant Shields are up. What? Has he become the galaxy's deadliest enemy? The ship was built to fight. And will the shocking secret... It's headed directly into the heart of Cardassian territory. Result in a full-scale invasion. Fire! Next time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay, so we're uh, going to be talking about Defiant. This is from uh, the third third season of Deep Space Nine, and a couple things about this episode. First, it's uh, it was one written by Ronald uh, Moore, who is of course now on Battlestar Galactica, which uh, we've talked about before. He did a lot of work on TNG, Deep Space Nine before he went off to uh, bigger and better things, I guess you could say. And directed by a guy named Cliff Bowl, who directed quite a few uh, Star Trek episodes. This is a about the 
Nah, about a third way into the third season of Deep Space Nine. Now, if you remember where we're at in, in the history of Deep Space Nine at this point, they are there's tensions between the Cardassians and the Federation, and of course, Deep Space Nine is kind of smack in the middle of that. And the there's sort of this neutral zone, demilitarized zone between the two. And there is a faction, uh, a group of sort of, we'll call them terrorists, because that's the way they're referred to uh, on the show several times, but they're called the Maquis. And they, uh, they are basically a group of individuals, uh, Starfleet, ex-Starfleet personnel, humans, some aliens, uh, but basically that have sort of banded together to fight the Cardassians that feel that, uh, that the Federation uh, Starfleet needs to fight them. And if they're not, you know, if the Federation isn't going to do it, Starfleet's not going to do it, the McKee will do it. So that's kind of the, the background and the situation we're in at the point of this episode to just give you some information in case you are not quite up on this and, and don't remember some of these things if you haven't seen this in a while. This episode, the the big uh, situation with this one is uh, Riker, uh, and I'll just kind of, give it away a little bit, I guess, ahead of time. And, and again, I always assume most people have seen these episodes or they don't mind spoilers, but obviously I, when I go through the episodes, I, I talk about the episode pretty detailed. So uh, there's a um, an episode of, of The Next Generation, which uh, probably if I'd been thinking, I would have done that episode before, covered that one and then done this one, because there's a character that's introduced that is key to uh, this episode in the, in the TNG one. Anyway, it's... Um, there was a transporter accident that happened uh, years ago. Didn't really show in TNG, but the results of it were shown, which that the transporter accident created a duplicate, an exact duplicate of Commander Riker, who became known as Thomas Riker, deciding, you know, he needed a different name. That's uh, William Riker's middle name is Thomas, so he took his middle name as his name. And so you have two Rikers floating around. And this Riker was sort of marooned on this planet for years. and But he is basically like uh, Riker was, uh, you know, before he became marooned on, that, marooned on the planet due to the transporter accident and everything. Well, this guy shows up on Deep Space Nine and basically uh, gets a hold of the Defiant and takes off, at, off into Cardassian space. That's the basic premise of the episode. This Thomas Riker character is part of the Maquis, and he's on a mis- mission for uh, the Maquis into... Uh, deep into Cardassian space, so that's the that's the deal, and we'll talk more about it as as the episode moves along. the The way the episode starts out, uh, a few things. The thing I like about this episode is it involves, like Deep Space Nine usually always does, it involves m- multiple characters on the show, and it's not just an episode about one character. Kira is in this episode a lot, so is Cisco. Not so much the other characters, Odo a little bit, uh, Dr. Bashir at the beginning. Kira is basically uh, starts out the episode. She's been under a lot of stress, working hard. Uh, she sort of snaps at Dr. Bashir, and that gets uh, the doctor to sort of recommend some R&R time. And that's how the episode starts out, which uh, this episode I'm just going to do clips, so I'm trying to give you a little uh, prelude to it. But the first clip I'm going to play is a scene in Quarks that uh, Bashir takes Kira in there and recommends basically that she sort of relax, have a good time, do a little gambling, maybe visit the hollow suites, something like that. And of course, Kira is real military. You know, she was in the uh, Bajoran resistance. She's she's not really good at relaxing. So this first clip will uh, will show that. And, and she also runs into uh, Riker in the uh, in Quarks. Now, keep in mind, in the beginning, early parts of the episode, 
everyone thinks this Riker that's that shows up on Deep Space Nine is William Riker, not Thomas Riker. And there's no way for anyone to know otherwise because everything, all the sensors, all the security stuff, read him exactly with the same DNA and the same fingerprints and everything is William Riker. So here we go with the first clip with Kira in Quirks. Carbino juice. Lower Van Crackers. A hollow sweet program. Junger stick. And gambling tokens. Now, at least two of these items must be used and fully enjoyed before you leave this facility. Julian, I'll I... I'll be giving you a full report of her activities, Doc. And if I hear you didn't completely relax and enjoy yourself tonight, we'll do this every night until you do. Have fun. Looks like you've got your evening all planned. Hope you've got room for the unexpected. Yes, so Riker shows up, Thomas Riker actually, uh, trying to charm uh, Major Kira, and it it kind of works. They uh, they talk uh, during the the evening there, as she explains to Dax later, uh, right after this scene. Uh, in the next morning, uh, she's on the in ops and and explaining to Dax about uh, sitting up all night talking to a Riker, and basically Dax is trying to pry some infor- information out of her. And Dax remembers Riker because he was on Deep Space Nine yeah, sometime in the recent past, about a year, I think she says, and kind of cleaned her out a little bit at at, uh, at some gambling, some Dabo, and. Uh, she uh, or was it poker? I, I can't remember which way that what game they played, but basically, uh, going back to Riker's uh, gambling time on the Enterprise, and and has always been a real shrewd gambler and good at reading people. So, uh, which kind of reminds me of the Bond movie, some really cool gambling uh, scenes in the in the Bond movie. So, but I digress. Um, so that's the the setup there. Basically, Riker's trying to sort of worm his way into Kira's. Uh, good graces and she wants or he wants her to give him a tour of deep space nine which of course would involve a tour of the defiant which is docked on deep space nine you know remember the defiant uh, the warship defiant was really created by uh, commander cisco uh, years ago or at least the the initial stages of it to fight the borg remember uh, the whole thing with commander cisco he lost his ship his wife in the Borg attack by uh, Locutius, uh, you know, Picard at Wolf 359. And he had it in, you know, he wanted to create a warship basically to fight the Borg. And that's what the Defiant was. And it gets assigned to Deep Space Nine due to the Dominion and the Cardassians and other problems. Obviously, Deep, Deep Space Nine is just a station. It has trouble protecting itself. It's not maneuverable. It can't get out there and explore and fight and do things. So the Defiant is becomes part of Deep Space Nine, which was a great idea. I mean, I, I, I think they needed a ship. They needed something rather than just runabouts to take off and do things. And the Defiant became the ship for that. And it's a very cool uh, design, a very cool ship. And it gave all, of course, us fanboys out there a cool, uh, very much a, a Starfleet warship that we don't usually or haven't seen in a long time. So so that was the, uh, the, the nice thing about that. Uh, the next clip. This one is a, an explanation of after, uh, basically, uh, Riker has slipped away with the Defiant. He gets aboard. He stuns Kira. 
and he gets control of the Defiant, and, and he pretends that the Defiant's got some kind of reactor leak or warp core breach, and they, they pull away from Deep Space Nine, and then they warp away, and, and uh, Cisco isn't really, you know, he's not suspecting him. He thinks this is Commander William Riker of the Enterprise, so Riker gets away. And they do a little digging, Odo and Cisco, and they're talking to Gul Dukat now, and that's the next clip. And they find out this Riker is not the Riker they thought it was. So here's the next clip and that explanation. Nine years ago, a transporter accident created two William T. Rikers. One of them returned to his ship. The other was marooned on Nervala 4. The second Riker was finally discovered two years ago. He chose to use his middle name Thomas to distinguish himself from the other Riker. The two men are physically identical in all respects, right down to their DNA coding. There was no way for the security computer to know that it was Thomas, not William, who boarded the Defiant. This is a very entertaining story, but why am I listening to it? We have reason to believe that Thomas Riker is a member of the Marquis. What? Thomas Riker was serving aboard the starship Gandhi. While he was there, he began to express certain political opinions. Opinions that supported the Marquis and their goals. Are you telling me that one of the most heavily armed warships in this quadrant is now in the hands of Marquis terrorists? Well, uh, yes, Golducat, that's exactly what they're trying to tell you. You know, at first they, they, they think that uh, Tom Riker, that he's, you know, grabbed the Defiant, running into Cardassian space, going to start blowing things apart that, and basically just cause a lot of havoc and problems since the Defiant's a uh, pretty powerful uh, warship. But that's not really what uh, they're after. They're, they're, they're heading towards a system in deep in Cardassian space that they believe there's a big military buildup going on and that military buildup involves the obsidian order if you recall the obsidian order with in in cardassian areas is sort of like this eh, what do you call them they're, they're, they're sort of like the cia or you know they're, they're sort of like this black ops little group that's sort of independent on their own uh you know they they basically don't answer to anybody it seems they're they're always spying on everyone hang on one second Sorry again for uh, the phone call interruption. That was my wife, Lynn. And uh, just saying, of course, uh, Costco doesn't have any Nintendo Wii's. So sorry for the interruption from the flow of the the wonders of Rico's commentary on the episode Defiant of Deep Space Nine. So let's get back to it. Uh, so the, you know, the idea that um, there's this Obsidian Order uh, that's doing something in this system, this Cardassian system, called the Arias system, which you'll hear mentioned in some of the clips coming up. And actually, Gul Dukat, who's part of basically just the military, sort of the Starfleet equivalent in Cardassian, you know, space and culture, uh, he, he doesn't really understand or know about this at all. So the episode ends up turning on itself in that um, Riker actually does Gul Dukat and some of the military Cardassians a favor by finding this all out. Let's go, uh, let's go off to uh, the other clip here. Or the next clip, I should say. There's a clip with, uh, looks like uh, I've got it labeled Cisco Ducat. This is, I think, once they get to Cisco uh, volunteers. Uh, that's what this clip is about. 
to go to uh, Cardassian Prime, Cardassia Prime with uh, Gold Dukat to help them track the Defiant because Cisco, of course, worked in the Defiant. He knows all about it. He knows how to track it if he needs to. And what uh, what you know, interesting thing about the Defiant is that it has a cloaking device. It uh, you know they managed to get a cloaking device, borrow one from the Romulans, and so the Defiant can get in pretty pretty deep into Cardassian space with this cloaking device without being detected, except. Cisco knows a few things about that that may give them some help. So listen to this clip. Well, unless I can bring something back to Central Command to prove your good faith and your willingness to help stop the Defiant, I don't believe anything can prevent this conflict from beginning. Then bring me with you. I can help you stop the Defiant and prove our good faith. I was in charge of the shipyard where the Defiant was built. I helped design it. I know her vulnerabilities and her weaknesses. You'll help us destroy one of your own ships. I want to try and disable it first. I'm sure you do. Yeah, so that's the plan. That Cisco will go with Gul Dukat to Cardassia Prime and help them find a Defiant. Hopefully not destroy, just just find it, disable it, get it back. Um... And then Riker, Thomas Riker, of course, is off on his mission. Kira's still aboard the Defiant, uh, and uh, she's yeah, maybe not uh, that happy about that situation, which the next clip's going to show. Uh, you know, they, the, the neat thing they did with this episode that Ronald Moore, when he wrote it, did was he took the two uh, sort of military second-in-command people, Kira on Deep Space Nine and, and the character of Riker from TNG, this, this case is Thomas Riker, and put them together. They're both, they both sort of have, uh, you know, very similar, uh, yeah, how can I say this? They, they're sort of cut from the same mold a little bit in a way. Uh, Kira was sort of a terrorist. Now, uh, when, you know, of course, when that was when her home planet was under military occupation from the Cardassians, when Bajor was, was overrun and, and trying to strike against them. And here, Riker is part of the Maquis, this sort of terrorist bad guy group. And so they have some things in common because of that. And that was a good uh, a good move to put them together. And then there's a sort of this little attraction thing going on between the two of them also. Um, so the next clip here that I'll play is a scene. They've got Kira locked up basically on the Defiant, which he eventually gets out of. But there's a, a scene here that I'm going to play with uh, a conversation between uh, Kira and Tom Riker about what's going on and the situation. So here it is. I don't care who you are or what your name is. I am sorry about lying to you. And I'm sorry about using you. It was an operational necessity. You were a resistance fighter. You know that certain times you do things that you're not proud of to accomplish the mission. Well, you accomplished your mission. So now what? Everyone's going to be looking for you, the Cardassians and Starfleet. How far do you think you're going to get with this ship before they find you? A lot farther than people anticipate. Alita to Riker, we've reached the rendezvous point. I'm on my way. Yeah, that was a, a character called Kalita. She, uh, there's a couple of Maquis that uh, Riker beams aboard right after he gets a hold of the Defiant to help him uh, run the ship. Remember, the, the Defiant's a pretty small military, uh, very uh, 
you know, it's a it's a small warship, and it doesn't take a lot of people to to man it. Uh, got a lot of computer control. He gets a couple people aboard to help him right after he, he gets out of and gets away from Deep Space Nine, and then they rendezvous rendezvous rendezvous. Yes, and they rendezvous with some other Maquis ships and people out there who are going to uh, act as sort of decoys. Uh, the, his plan is to get into Cardassian territory and not get discovered, and he sends a couple of ships off to sort of decoy some Cardassian ships away, making themselves these other Maquis ships look like the Defiant. Uh, the whole, like, you know, disguise your warp signature trick and all that kind of stuff. They, they use that a little bit, and, and Cisco starts to understand and, and realize that he's, you know, he knows the Defiant. He knows certain certain things that would show up in the sensors that aren't showing up the same for these decoys, and, and eventually they they realize they're they're chasing the wrong ship. Hang on, sorry. Okay, uh, I really apologize for the interruptions there today. Uh, a couple of them now. That was, second one was my uh, younger son. He was overnight at a friend's house doing an overnight LAN party where all these kids get together with their bring their computers and play uh, computer games against each other all night long. So had to go run and pick him up real quick. But I'm back now. Uh, so back to Defiant. Sorry for the interruption. The um, yeah. So Kira, Kira and Riker, very very similar. Uh, they brought those together, the two of them in this episode. That's what I wanted to say. Let's get to a uh, another clip. This next clip is mostly, again, between Kira and Riker aboard the Defiant. This is, uh, there's a little discussion about Riker, what Riker's up to, and how he's trying to slip deep into Cardassian space. Uh, and he's, he's after, basically, to uh, to take a look at this secret base that they think is, the McKee think is, is building up with some military force. So I'll play the clip for you. Yeah, you're trying to keep them off balance, keep them guessing. Why? The McKee have been hearing rumors about shifting loyalties in the Cardassian government. Certain hardline elements were unsatisfied with the Federation Treaty and are doing whatever they can to scrap it. We got our hands on an intelligence report outlining suspected military buildup in the Arias system. A secret buildup that even the Central Command isn't aware of. You're telling me you did all of this? to attack some secret base that may or may not exist? I'm convinced that it does. They are building an invasion fleet. If we let them finish it, these renegade Cardassians are going to use it. Yeah, so so you can hear there that, that Tom Riker, Lieutenant Tom Riker, is, he, you know, he's still a Starfleet officer, basically, deep down. He's still trying to protect the Federation. He has this sort of chip on his shoulder, and that chip is, is Will Riker, who has gone on to uh, bigger and, and better things in in the years he was out in working in Starfleet, and, and Tom Riker was stuck on that planet. But but Tom Riker is still trying to uh, kind of fight the good fight, and he's got this this in military intelligence report that's saying that there could be this you know this fleet that's building up, and that might invade the Federation, and that's a threat. And since Starfleet isn't doing anything about it, really, and Tom kind of feels like he's a little bit of an outsider now, he's taking it upon himself. He hooks up with the McKee to go after this and to take a look at this military base in this Orias system out there, which uh, is basically being controlled and, and run by the Obsidian Order that you find out in this episode. They've got this this military post there, which they're not really supposed to have, 
which they mentioned a couple times in the episode, the Obsidian Order is not supposed to have uh, warships and things like that. Uh, but they do, which of course they do. You know what? You know what do you think? <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go on the the next uh, segment. Uh, you know, the the defiant works its way towards Arias, but it's it's being chased, it's being pursued. Uh, it takes a it takes some damage, and there are uh, there are some ships that uh, start to flank and, and kind of move in on them, both from behind and in front of them. Ships that come out of the, come out of the Arias system. Uh, military, huge, big warships, very fast ships that that move towards the the defiance position. And at this point, they're not cloaked anymore. They're, they've taken some damage, and they're they're becoming slowly outmatched. And this next clip will uh, discuss that a little bit. They will never reach Orias. You can count on that. Three more ships have just appeared in the Orias system. What kind of ships? Cardassian warships. Kelvin class. Whose ships are those, Corinus? Why are you asking me? Because if they were military ships, I would know about them. So that leaves the Obsidian Order. I thought the Obsidian Order didn't have any ships. They're not supposed to. In fact, they are explicitly forbidden from having military equipment of any kind. Yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of interesting. You know, you've got this sort of black ops group, but uh, they don't get military equipment, ships, gear, whatever. Uh, I don't. I guess they're basically supposed to be a bunch of spies, is really what it is. You know, a bunch of James Bonds, uh, Cardassian James Bonds running around. But I mean, even even James Bond has got some gear and stuff. Uh, but uh, so so these ships come out of this system, and, and Gold Ducat's starting to basically, you know, pretty much, you know, they've hit him over the head with it. So it's pretty easy to see. But there there is this, um, you know, the the Obsidian Order is not really doing things the way they're supposed to be doing things. There's this Karina's character, this woman Cardassian, who's a member of the Obsidian Order, that is in this episode, and she's there. You hear her a little bit in that last clip at the beginning, and Gul Dukat's there questioning her about what's going on in this system, and she's not saying anything. She's, she's of course, under orders not to give anything away, but the Defiant is, is taking a lot of sensor readings, some scans, some long-range uh, a look at this system, at the Uri system, and that becomes kind of key to uh, its survival. And a little deal is struck here that uh, you'll get to in a second. Uh, in the clips I'm going to play, you'll hear about. The next one, though, there's a, an exchange again between Kira and Riker. A lot of those in this episode. Uh, some good work, definitely uh, good work by uh, Nana Visitor and Jonathan Frakes in this episode. Uh, really like that. And, you know, Jonathan Frakes playing the other character of Tom Riker, I'll just kind of We'll mention a little side note on that. He he does play him a little different. He's a little more reckless. He's a little more of a he's sort of like the mirror universe uh, Riker character. You know, he he even in this episode I I didn't mention it earlier, but he disguises when he dis, he uh, shows up on Deep Space Nine, and, and after he gets aboard the Defiant, he pulls off some of these long sideburns going down to sort of this goatee beard that he's got because you know Riker on the Enterprise has sort of this this. Uh, this beard, not a full beard, but he has these long sideburns that go into his his uh, into his goatee area, and and the Tom Riker character peels them off the side of him, so he ends up with just a kind of a goatee and a mustache and everything, and uh, which makes him kind of look like the Mirror Universe Spock. So I guess that's a good analogy, you know. He Tom Riker is the the Mirror Universe Commander Riker. So, but uh, we'll go back to the episode now. 
this, uh, again, the next clip, Kira Riker aboard the Defiant, uh, basically uh, trying to get him to, to realize that he's got nowhere to go and, and that they should just run. Let's say you disable or even destroy those three ships up ahead of us. Fighting them at all is going to slow us down, and then those ten ships behind us are going to catch up, and not even the Defiant can win against those odds. We have come too far to quit now. You are an experienced Starfleet officer, Tom. Analyze the situation. Going to Orias is suicide. Now the smart move is to make a run for it while we still can. Maybe that's what an experienced Starfleet officer would do. Maybe that's what Will Riker would do. But it's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue the mission. It's not the mission you're thinking about, is it? Or even the colonists in the zone. This is about you, isn't it? You and that other Will Riker out there. The man with your face, your name, your career. You are looking for a way to set yourself apart. Some way to be different. You shouldn't go fishing today. You won't catch anything. It's a good good scene there, good exchange between the two of them. You really find out uh, a lot about Tom Riker and what he's all about there. He's he's really trying to make a difference. He's trying to do the right thing and he, and he's also trying not to back down. He's trying he's trying to trying to learn what's going on in this system and do things that the the you know, stand up uh upstanding Starfleet officer Will Riker wouldn't do, couldn't do. Um so that's uh, good stuff. Interesting, interesting little exchange. The um, next clip. Yes, next clip. Let's do that. Uh, <laughs> of course, the, they get pretty much pinned in. They get pretty much surrounded. There are these ships in front of them, ships behind them. Uh, even the Defiant, like Kira says there, can't handle all of that. Uh, it's a tough little ship, but it, it, they're really, really way outmatched at this point. And they... Uh, a deal is offered to uh to them to the uh excuse me the the to commander riker i'm sorry losing my train of thought not commander riker lieutenant tom riker a deal is offered to him and it's probably the best alternative so he's uh i think the next clip there's a couple of them that involve that so that's why i'm a little confused sorry excuse me still a little tired this morning but we'll play the next clip and we'll know where we're at then Listen to him, Lieutenant. If you surrender, the Defiant and its crew will be handed over to a Federation starship at the Cardassian border. Why the sudden generosity? He wants the Defiant sensor logs on the Uriah system. They're worth a lot more to him than Marquis prisoners. I don't buy it. The Cardassians aren't going to just let us walk away. You're right. Someone has to pay the price. Me. The deal is... You'll be tried and convicted in a Cardassian court, and then sentenced to spend the rest of your life in the Lazon II labor camp. No death sentence, huh? That must have taken some doing. Some. Give me a moment. Okay, back on track. Yeah, so they, Gul Dukat, uh, Cisco arranged this uh, deal. You know, it's 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 predetermined basically when you go to a Cardassian court. It seems that what your sentence will be, or that you'll be convicted. Uh, and Cisco sort of uses his influence and says, I, "I'll try to you know talk him into this deal, but I don't want him killed." And and the best alternative to that is basically life uh, in a labor camp for uh, Tom Riker, which you know he's still Will Riker. He's still got his personality. The crew, the people, the Maquis that are on the Defiance, other than him. He's concerned about them. He doesn't want them to either get killed or, 
be executed by the Cardassians or whatever. So he, he puts, he sacrifices himself. He agrees to, to the deal here, which there's uh, another last exchange. Couple couple last clips here to play. This next one is Kira trying to convince uh, Tom Riker to take, take the deal, Tom. There's no reason for you to continue. They're offering you a way out. The only reason not to take it is because you want to die. I have a mission to complete. That mission is over. You're never going to make it to Arias. You know that, Tom. There are five ships out there ahead of you, but there may be 50 waiting there for all we know. Be a Starfleet officer one last time. Think of your crew. I know you want Tom Riker to go out in a blaze of glory that they talk about for the next 10 years. Don't drag them along with you. On screen. I agree to your terms. You need to reverse course and surrender the Defiant to one of the ships that's been following you. Why? It will take too long to explain. But the ships coming out of the Arias system are not under Beldukat's control. I see. I've ordered the Klaxon to put her shields around you as soon as you arrive. You'll be safe once you get there. Understood. Yeah, so so Tom's taking the deal. There's a there's a tense little scene where uh, you don't know whether these Obsidian Order controlled warships will fire on the other Cardassian ships, but of course they don't. They they're they're not ready to take that step yet. Uh, they're sort of this underground organization, black ops, whatever, but they're not willing to fire on other Cardassian ships. The Defiant gets theirs protected by the rest of them, and they they take back take off backwards to the Araya system. And Tom's about to uh, turn himself over. There's one last scene, and it's a little hard to hear on this clip, but at the very end of it, this is sort of Tom's goodbye from the Bridge of the Defiant scene. And he kisses Major Kira goodbye, which I thought was kind of cool and uh, catches her a little off guard. So uh, I like this, and that will round out the episode. After I play the clip, I'm going to take a short break and come back with some other uh, news, information, uh, a contest and uh, some collectible talk. So here's the last scene from Defiant, and then I'll be taking a break. Transmit the Arias 3 sensor logs to the Kraxen and tell them to prepare to beam me aboard. I'm turning command over to Major Kira. She'll get you back to the Federation. I'm holding you personally responsible to see that these people get a fair trial. I give you my word. We'll get you out of there, Tom. I promise you that. Riker to Craxon. Go ahead. One to Bima. Set course for the Federation. Warp 8. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. TSFPN.com Hello everyone, this is Rico and I'm back. 
Hope you enjoyed that look at the Deep Space Nine episode, Defiant. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry got interrupted a few times, but I thought that was an interesting, uh, a good episode to look at. And along those lines, I am going to now announce uh, a contest for uh, that will uh, go for for the next. Uh, we'll we'll just do this one for the next week week long contest. The contest is this one's going to be pretty easy. Uh, what it is the the prize is I have a few only all I have for the t-shirts for the podcast left are large in size. So I have a few larges left and. One of those uh, large T-shirts from the Trek for the show for the Trek's Sci-Fi podcast is the prize for this contest. And everyone out there is yelling, "Rico, just get get to the contest, man! What, what what's the deal?" All right, here's here's the deal. Uh, all you got to do is send me an email, treksf at gmail and it, put contest in the in the subject line. And what you need to write on the email is, I want you to write. A episode of one of the Star Trek series that I haven't podcasted about that you would like to hear uh, me do a podcast on. It can be an episode from any any of the Star Trek series from TOS to through Enterprise. Uh, I want to know the name of the episode, and I, I want to know just in a couple of sentences of why you'd like me to cover that episode on a upcoming uh, f- podcast. I've got I got a pretty good long list of episodes I want to cover, but I want to hear from the listeners. I want to hear from what you guys. And, and women, uh, men and women, uh, guys and gals. <laughs> Have I said that before? I want to know what you guys would like to hear uh, me podcast about. So send that uh, in within the next week. And on next weekend's podcast, which would be next Sunday's show, uh, I will be announcing the winner. I'll just randomly pick one out of all the entries. And I'll probably read a few of them also and, and give people an idea of what episodes they would like covered. So send those in uh, before next weekend. One other uh, thing before I get to some collectible discussion talk, uh, the I, I discovered a way through uh, using Winamp and a program called Shoutcast to stream the audio uh, when I'm recording these shows out over the internet. Uh, I'm curious if uh, if I did this, if people would be interested in in hearing the show sort of live as I recorded. I you know I've done a couple of live casts where I've had my webcam going. And I'm going to probably be doing that again in the future. But I also was curious, you know, if if the um, if there'd be enough interest out there for me to stream the audio when I'm recording the show uh, as I record it out on the web. You know, it's usually Sunday mornings, Eastern time for me, 10, 11 in the morning, give or take, is when I'm usually doing the show. That that can vary. I mean, you know, for a while there, I was thinking of doing more later in the day. Uh, but it's it's easier for me at least to get it done kind of in the morning, get it edited, and get it up on the web uh, by you know mid afternoon for Sunday. So if people are interested in that, send me an email treksf at gmail dot com and let me know uh, let me know about that if you'd be interested to uh, hear the show streaming live. Uh, you would need Winamp, uh, and I think I can get it to work with iTunes also if you'd like to uh, have that happen. Oh, and I, I, I just one thing I kind of goofed up on when I talked about the contest. I, I would also be more than happy to welcome audio entries. You can send a little MP3 file through email uh, for the contest, or you could just call the voicemail line 20688-TREX with your uh, request for an episode. Now, remember when you do send that, i, I got to just uh, remind you one more time, it's got to be an episode that I have not covered before and there is an archive list online you can check the podcast notes 
uh, with, uh, it's got a pretty extensive uh, detailed list of all the episodes I've done. So I'm looking for episodes that I haven't done. So you can either send the email or an audio comment. And now on to some collectible discussion. The collectible for this week's uh, discussion is something I got about, I guess, maybe two weeks ago. It's fairly new, just came out. I've had it on a pre-order for a while. It is a, uh, it's made by Art Asylum, who's doing a lot of the Star Trek action figures these days, and some of the small model ships and props from the show, small plastic uh, props, you know, the phasers and things. This is a, it's it's called Captain Kirk with Command Chair, and it's uh it's celebrating, uh, again, they've been putting out some toys celebrating the 40th anniversary this year of Star Trek. And this one is uh, Captain, you know, Kirk, James T. Kirk, sitting in his chair, uh, uh, bridge chair, which uh, it, it's it's nice. The action figure itself sits in the chair, is about a normal action figure size, maybe about six inches or so. And the chair is, is very nicely detailed. It doesn't have any lights or anything for the buttons, but it's a, it's a nice piece. They, they did a good job. The likeness, I think each time they do these action figures, I think the likeness for the characters gets even better. They're supposed to, uh, one thing I was going to say about this, they were supposed to do a, a series of these from, um, three of the captains, at least they were going to do Captain Pike in his command chair Captain Kirk, this one in his command chair, and also Captain Kirk as he was seen with a slightly different uniform uh, from uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before, the second Star Trek pilot in the command chair. And the uh, the chairs, each of the chairs, too, would vary a little bit uh, because the different uh, captains, the chairs were different in each of those. And on the back of the box, I'll have some pictures of this up on the website in the podcast notes and also in the collectible section, collectible gallery on the website. But the captain's chair for each of those different eras uh, in Star Trek history there looked a little bit different. The buttons a little different. Uh, the biggest uh, probably difference was with Captain Pike. He had that sort of little uh, intercom thing on a little tube that ran up and uh, that he talked into to address the ship and his his sort of uh, bridge chair communicator, I guess you could call it. So. So that's, uh, that's the collectible for this week. Made by Art Asylum. Still can be bought online at a number of online shops. I'll try to put a couple of links for those also in the podcast notes. Uh, other bit of news or information that I wanted to pass on is, is regards to Master Replica's upcoming uh, gorgeous uh, model of the Enterprise studio scale model, about a three-foot-long model of the original series Enterprise that Master Replicas is doing. I've been following on a couple of forums that I visit uh, there are some new pictures up on the treksf.com forums of this ship, and it's looking great. It's you know it's going to light up. It's it's really huge. It's about three feet long, and these are still for sale. Pre-order at masterreplicas.com, all one word. So if you're interested, they're a little expensive uh, on the order of a thousand dollars, but and they have some signature editions which add a little even more to the price, but. This has got to be for a Star Trek fan, especially those of the original series, the ultimate in collectibles. And I just thought I'd mention they're, they're still available for order. And the last bit of news or information I've gotten on these is that they probably will be shipping out uh, the beginning of the year in January. Possibility it might be just at the end of December for the first few. And I've got one on order, of course, because this for me is the ultimate in collectibles. And I'll probably do a whole podcast on just this uh, collectible when I get it. Uh, so I can 
probably, uh, you know, I could stop collecting after I get this ship because this will be it for Star Trek. But I probably won't stop, of course. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that is if anyone's interested at all, get your order in. Uh, they are a limited collectible. They don't make, you know, just as many as people ever want. Uh, they do have a limited number that they make. So take a look if you uh, if you can swing the money for it. So, And I think that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Uh, next weekend's, next weekend's uh, show again, there's a Skype call on Saturday, which I talked about earlier, and then there'll be a regular Sunday show. I uh, might get a chance to do a Wednesday show this week because I'll be off that day uh, from work, and I might slip a, a Wednesday show in this week also, hopefully. But, uh, you know, always check the main website, treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com for upcoming information. I always try to post on there uh, a day or two ahead of time what what's coming up on the show. So uh, if you'd like, check that out. And until next time, I really, again, appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen to the show and download it and pop it on your iTunes, or your iPods, or your MP3 players, or whatever you listen to this show. I, I really appreciate it. We've got some new people on the forums. I want to welcome some of the recent uh, people of some more people from overseas lately uk australia welcome to all of our overseas friends and again this is rico for trucks and sci-fi signing off for the week and i will be talking to everyone again soon thanks bye bye everyone this has been a rick dosty production This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.